Are you trying to squeeze the starting solid food stuff into your already busy schedule? Well, I have an all-in-one done-for-you solution that's going to take the guesswork out of feeding your baby. My online program is called Baby Led Weaning with Katie Ferraro. It contains all of my baby led weaning training videos, the original 100 First Foods content library, plus a 100-day meal plan with recipes like the exact sequence of which foods to feed in which order. So if you want to stop trying to piece all this feeding stuff together on your own, I would be honored if you would join me inside of the program. You can get signed up at babyledweaning.co slash program. Have you tried peanut with your baby yet? So intact nuts and thick globs of nut butters are choking hazard for babies. So we can't do that, but we do need to get peanut protein into your baby early and often to help lower the risk of peanut allergy down the road. So my favorite way to do peanut for baby lead weaning is using the Puffworks Baby Peanut Puffs. Now, these are not those little starchy puffs that earlier eaters can't pick up, the ones you see at the grocery store in the container that oftentimes contain added sugar, sodium, and refined grains. No, the Puffworks Baby Peanut Puffs have no added sugar. They're about the size of your adult pinky finger, which is the perfect length for baby lead weaning. So I have students and parents always asking about like different puffs. I saw one today that a mom asked me about. It had three different allergens in it, which makes no sense because you can't observe for a reaction if your baby is trying three new allergenic foods at once. How do you know which of the ingredients is causing the reaction? The only potential allergenic ingredient in the Puffworks Baby Peanut Puffs is peanut. You can get 15% off of Puffworks Baby Peanut Puffs if you use my affiliate discount code BABYLED. So head to puffworks.com and enter that code BABYLED, L-E-D, at checkout. And good luck to you guys trying peanut. So, for example, a 44-pound child could have three and a half ounces of light tuna per week. A 132-pound woman who wasn't pregnant could have about 11 and a half ounces. And a typical can of tuna is five ounces. Hey there, I'm Katie Ferraro, registered dietitian, college nutrition professor, and mom of seven specializing in baby led weaning. Here on the Baby Led Weaning Made Easy podcast, I help you strip out all of the noise and nonsense about feeding, leaving you with the confidence and knowledge you need to give your baby a safe start to solid foods using baby led weaning. Well, hello there. Welcome back. Today, we're talking about canned tuna and whether or not it is safe for babies to eat. And I know this is a touchy subject because canned tuna is an affordable and widely available source of fish protein. And fish is one of the big nine allergenic foods that you do want to be offering to your baby early and often. Fish is a separate big nine food from the shellfish. And the big nine are the nine foods that account about 90% of food allergy. So fish is one of them and shellfish is the other one. And we want to offer those foods early and often to babies in order to prevent food allergy, but both fish and shellfish do come in some canned varieties, some of which are safer than others. And from a safety standpoint, we're talking about heavy metals and in particular mercury in this discussion about canned tuna. And mercury is a highly toxic element. Ideally, we want no mercury in your baby's developing body or yours for that matter. But in infancy, we know mercury is particularly neurotoxic. It's nephrotoxic, meaning injurious to the developing kidneys. It's immunotoxic. So we're concerned about pregnant women's mercury intake also because in utero, it can be damaging to the developing fetus. Mercury is a pollutant. You can't get away from it. It bioaccumulates and it's particularly concerning in the aquatic food chain. And this is a serious health hazard for children. So as a dietitian specializing in infant feeding, I've always said, as do my other feeding colleagues, you know, when in doubt, leave it out. Okay. So why would you ever feed a food with potential mercury contamination to a baby? And that's really the crux of today's episode and interview. 
why does the U.S. government guidance on quote-unquote safe fish consumption for pregnant and breastfeeding women and young children still include mention of canned tuna as a, and this is their categorization, quote-unquote good choice, when it is well known that there are variable rates of mercury in canned tuna, including the chunk light tuna, which the chunk light always kind of gets that health halo when we're talking about mercury because we know on average that canned albacore has more mercury than chunk light tuna, but chunk light tuna is not devoid of mercury. And again, even small amounts can be concerning. When in doubt, leave it out. So to help us kind of sort all of this out with should I or should I not feed my baby canned tuna or if I do, which type and if I do, which type and how much, today I'm interviewing Dr. Michael K. Hansen, the senior scientist at Consumer Reports. So Consumer Reports is very interesting in this tuna discussion because they recommend outright against the consumption of canned tuna by these high-risk populations because of their data on mercury levels. And that differs wildly from the U.S. government advice, which again, is still categorizing canned tuna as a quote-unquote good choice on their safe fish guidance. So Dr. Hansen was integral to testing the canned tuna that Consumer Reports performed in response to the most recent update of the U.S. government agency. So the Food and Drug Administration and the Environmental Protection Agency, those two agencies get together and jointly issue guidance on fish consumption for pregnant women, breastfeeding women, and young children. So Dr. Hansen's team, as you guys will hear, he's done evaluations and analysis on the same set of data and the same tuna cans that FDA used with very different outcomes and recommendations on fish guidance. And he's going to explain why the Consumer Reports guidance is so different from the government guidance. And I think this is a really important interview in that we are hearing directly from the senior scientist behind all of the testing that poked huge holes in the government's recommendations. So there are a lot of reports and guidance documents mentioned in this episode. Some come directly from Consumer Reports and their independent testing. Some come from the federal guidelines. Some are from third parties that Consumer Reports is now working with as far as like mercury calculators, et cetera. So I'm going to link up everything we talk about in the show notes page for this episode, which you guys can find at blwpodcast.com forward slash 232. And if your family does eat animal foods, including fish and shellfish, I do just want to reiterate the importance of offering your baby safe food-based versions of these food proteins in the effort to curb food allergy risk down the road, but also just acknowledging that the fish category in particular may be a little bit more difficult if we're considering removing the cheapest and most widely available form of fish, which is canned tuna, and that is because of safety concerns for infants. So with no further ado, let's get started with Tuna Talk. This is Is It Safe for Babies to Eat Canned Tuna with Consumer Reports, Dr. Michael K. Hansen. It's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to it. Now, before we dive in talking about canned tuna safety for babies, could you give us a quick introduction? How did you come to be the Consumer Reports Senior Scientist and what do you do on a daily basis in your work? Well, I've actually been working at Consumer Reports for over 30 years. And when I first came to Consumer Reports, I was working on a range of toxicity or issues, primarily pesticides and genetic engineering. And I just stayed around. And over the years, actually, anytime that Consumer Reports would look at some kind of hazard in food, whether it's pesticides, whether it's chemicals, in food, which we've done a lot on, or the heavy metals in uh, various foods, we did that. And so I'm very well aware of all the heavy metal work 
that we've done on a whole range of baby foods and adult foods and other things. And you guys have done a lot of work on heavy metals. And we actually had your colleague, Dr. James Rogers on. He was here with us talking about heavy metals in baby food, sharing the work that Consumer Reports has done. And if anyone's interested in listening to that, that's episode 208. And in that episode, when I was kind of asking him about the heavy metals and we were talking specifically about canned tuna, he was like, no, 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 no. I mean, I'll answer it a little bit, but you need to talk to Dr. Hansen. And so that's why we kind of followed up. So thank you for taking this interview. I'm really interested to learn about canned tuna from you. So how long have you been at Consumer Reports again? Uh, over 30 years. Okay. So this heavy metals thing, it's funny because it's, you know, when you become a parent, everything is new to you and you're like, oh, this is a new issue. And it's not really a new issue. So I was curious, like if we could go back in time, if we're talking about the FDA and the EPA, so the United States government agencies that are involved in, they issue joint advice about eating fish. Can you tell us before we get into where Consumer Reports stands, where does the FDA and the EPA stand in regards to offering tuna to babies? And then, if you don't mind, how does that differ from Consumer Reports? Well, actually, what I should first say is Consumer Reports since 2010 or thereabouts has actually been pushing because of the uh, whole issue of uh, mercury was pushing both the EPA and FDA to change their recommendations to make them uh, more protective, particularly for pregnant women and infants. And they finally updated, they finally made most of those changes that we suggested back in 2017. One of the things they didn't do is basically since the FDA and EPA are trying to get women to eat more fish, what they tell them is they said, look, their fish that are high in mercury, medium and low. And they say you should be eating eight to 12 ounces. Yeah, eight to 12 ounces a week, and you can mix that. And so the idea would be you should eat more of the low mercury, right? Uh, and there's certain high ones that there are certain fish that they're, they're just so high in mercury, they should never be eaten. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and works with your lifestyle as a parent or caregiver. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on the journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. And getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. And I think this is particularly true for parents. because I know firsthand how you can feel torn between your old baby-free, carefree self and this new, very challenging role of parenting a small person. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding, as well as talking through, things that can help you know what you want or why you react the way you do. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash weaning today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash weaning and get 10% off your first month today. And now the issue is with the tuna, the canned tuna. And based on the FDA's, you know, average levels that they find, they calculate that it would be safe for a pregnant woman to consume a certain amount of, you know, canned tuna per week. Uh, and I should say that the FDA's own testing show that there's higher levels of mercury and albacore compared to, uh, you know, chunk light. And what it really has to do is the size of the tuna. Uh -huh, when they're killed. What the difference is, is 
Albacore has about two to three times the level on average of mercury that shrunk light does. So basically what the FDA and EPA is saying was, well, you can eat, a pregnant woman can actually eat some albacore and can eat chunk like tuna because it's fairly low, right, in mercury. The problem with that is we did an analysis of the FDA's data. And although the average, it is true that on average, chunk like tuna is like one third the level of albacore, right? It turns out that in some of the cans, like 20% of them, the levels of mercury are actually higher. You're getting spikes that are double the average level. So that means while on average, cans of chunk like tuna look like they're very low, certain individual cans can actually have twice that level or more. And since you don't know what can you're getting to be particularly protective, particularly for pregnant women, we don't think that pregnant women should be eating chunk like tuna because they might not get that now. For children and young infants, we have a calculator on our website that for the various kinds of fish, and it's based on uh, your body weight, right? Because if you weigh more, you can eat more tuna because there's a certain amount of mercury in it, and you have to divide the mercury that's in the food you're eating by the body weight of the individual, right? Yeah, and then we're talking about this in a little tiny baby or in a pregnant woman where it's crossing the placenta and we're not sure right. what effect and that would so potentially have. That's why we're saying for pregnant women, they should not eat, be eating canned tuna. Okay. What about for infants? What's the consumer reports? For infants, what we say is we do have this list of how much they can eat. So for example, a 44 pound child could have three and a half ounces of light tuna Per week, a 132-pound woman who wasn't pregnant could have about 11 and a half ounces, and a typical can of tuna is five ounces, right? So that's what we say for a 44-pound child, that it would be three and a half ounces. Now, it's going to be a 22-pound child, it would be half that level. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I'm going to link to, this is a Consumer Reports table that they have on their website, and this is a recommendation, but the smallest age group is children less than 45 pounds. So obviously for our audience listening, baby six to 12 months of age, they're significantly less than that. So if your kid was, I don't know, 12 pounds, or like a quarter of that, would you take the four ounces of light tuna and divide it by four and say no more than one ounce a week of chunk light tuna for a baby? Yes. But then, you know, part of the overall thing is what you might want to do is some of the fish that we have in our safer categories or at the lowest levels, you might want to uh, feed more of that because children should be getting significant amount of fish. Exactly. And that's what I wanted to talk about is that when it comes to tuna, now we like to offer a variety of recommendations for parents because not everybody has access to fresh tuna depending upon where they live or where they shop. And so tuna is, if we take the mercury out of it, which that's impossible, but out of the discussion, you know, tuna is a very affordable source of fish protein. And because we want the babies to be exposed to the potentially allergenic protein in fish, but there's nothing magical about tuna other than it's readily available and it's affordable. But we might have to say from a safety standpoint, there are better options and we actually want to steer clear of canned tuna, certainly for pregnant women and for babies. Because at that point, you know, one ounce, what's the point? Why don't you just go get another lower mercury fish and expose your baby to the fish protein that way? Right. So such as, for example, our lowest mercury fish would be oysters. They're not going to be eating that for babies. Salmon. Oh yeah, we do. It's it's shellfish. 
because it, it's one of the other allergenic food categories and it's a good source of iron. So we can make those safe. So I will also link to yes. your high and low list, but what are some other lower mercury options for parents? Well, the lowest mercury options are oysters, salmon, both wild and Alaska, and either canned or fresh. And for example, Alaska salmon, which is all wild caught, some of the canned uh, Alaska salmon is actually can be pretty cheap. Okay. I wanted to ask your opinion. What do you think about the brand? I don't want to say the name, but that claim that they are testing for mercury and then they only sell products that this is their claim are 10 times stricter than the FDA mercury action limit. Do you think parents should be shopping specific brand names in order to get lower mercury tuna? For the lowest, well, if it's for tuna, then that might be something again, but the brands that say they're doing that, how is that claim being verified? I know, where can I see the data? Right, what you need, since we also uh, will often rate labels, we don't think much of labels on a product if it's just the manufacturer making the claim. If there's an independent third party that's verifying it. So for example, the organic label, right? That has the you know USDA approved inspectors that have to verify the organic. But that's for organic standard. We're not saying you can buy organic fish that's still super high in mercury. They're not testing mercury levels. That's okay, correct. But no, no, no. The point I'm making is for the claims. Yeah. So if there is a claim that this... Merc that this tuna is 10 times lower. If they say that claim is verified by somebody else, you know, on their label, then that might be a useful product because label claims that are made, if there's not independent third party verification, how do you know the accuracy? Exactly. It just becomes another marketing ploy, to be honest, exactly. which most front of package labeling, all front of package labeling is. Well, okay, yes, I but. That's actually why we're in the process of trying to get a new law in place that would require labels that are actually more honest and more health protective. As a registered dietitian, I've been working, I mean, we've been working on that for over 20 years. I know. So, I mean, I think it's a great aspiration, but reality right now, like for parents that have babies, can we just say across the board, Consumer Reports recommends do not feed any canned tuna to the baby. Is that true? Well, they said, no, we do have this calculator and afterwards I can go to my page and I can send you a link to that so you could post that because there is a little calculator that tells you for each type of fish you put a weight in and it'll then calculate for whichever kind of fish how much should be eaten. So the lowest ones, for example, as I said, besides oyster and salmon are sardines, scallop, shrimp, squid and tilapia. All right. Can I ask another question regarding safety? Like as a parent dietitian, it just feels a little ridiculous to be arguing what's a quote unquote safe limit for exposure to methylmercury in a tiny baby. But as a scientist, I'm curious if you can you just share your thoughts on acceptable levels of mercury? Is there really such a thing when we're talking about very, very small developing human bodies with still actively developing brains? The way this works is there's basically been a lot of epidemiology and all these other studies. And what they're trying to do is find what's the lowest level of mercury where we can find an adverse effect, right? Because you know that mercury is present in the environment. It tends to be higher now because of industrial emissions, both present and past. But what this science shows is you have to wait till the science comes in showing you what levels are 
are safe. So ideally, in an ideal world, you wouldn't want any, right? But the fact of the matter is, is this stuff does occur in the natural environment. Okay. Now, levels tend to be higher, just like, you know, lead levels or in a lot of fruits that we see or root crops actually come from past use of uh, leaded compounds. And some of the reason that there's more mercury happening in seafood is a lot of these industrial emissions, right? Correct. So there's no way, and we were mentioning organic earlier, that even if you're purchasing yes. quote unquote organic, which I know the organic requirements for seafood are obviously every food category is different. But right. And that, actually, that... we don't think uh, they have not come up with things. They're, in a certain sense, there's no such thing as organic fish. Correct. There's no organic standards for seafood in the United States. That's correct. And we would argue that you can't really develop one because part of what the organic whole model is based on is it's, you know, healthy soils feed healthy plants and create healthy ecosystems. Whereas when you're talking about fish, that's not connected to soil and it's fish that are in the wild, it all depends on where they are, right? If fish are in an environment that's near, for example, where plants are producing uh, contaminants and other things that is going into the water, those fish can all be contaminated. Yes, absolutely. And I know sometimes, again, I know some people choose certain food choices because of environmental sustainability, et cetera. But some would argue that actually choosing fish from a farm fish operation is safer from a mercury standpoint because the environment is so highly controlled and then the feed is controlled so that we're certain they're not eating other high mercury fish, right? Well, yeah, you could argue that, but then there's the issue of what are the fish being fed, right? So for example, for salmon, those fish, what do they eat normally in the wild? They, they eat other fish, right? And so they're eating all that. But when you bring them into captivity, you get them to grow large. What are you feeding them? Primarily Synthetically produced soybeans. fish. Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. It's primarily corn and soybeans. And then what happens is if you look at the omega-3 to omega-6 ratio, right? Because what you want are the omega-3 fatty acids. That ratio is significantly higher and like three times higher in a wild fish compared to a farmed one. And that's because of the feed that they're being fed. That's because of the feed. And that's also why cows, for example, that are completely grass-fed also have a better ratio because where the the way to think about it is that the omega-3 fatty acids, for example, they tend to be flexible. So they're in membranes of things. So, so for example, all plants have that. And actually in fish, it's the phytoplankton and the other things right? Because the predatory fish are eating other fish who are eating phytoplankton, which have uh, chlorophyll, but they also have a lot of those omega-3s, which help make cell uh, membranes more flexible, whereas the omega-6s tend to be more stiff, and those are can be associated with inflammation. So that's why they tell you that the omega-3s are heart healthy, and fish, you get a benefit from that. But if the fish is sometimes farmed, there's much less of that than if they're wild. Got it. Back to pregnancy. The federal advice still tends towards the line, the benefits of eating fish outweigh the risks. And they still recommend that pregnant breastfeeding women should consume between eight to 12 ounces per week of a variety of seafood for choices that are lower in mercury. So if we agree that canned tuna is not on the low mercury list, do you still think it's safe for pregnant women to be consuming eight to 12 ounces from the low mercury list? 
Oh, yes. Yes. And there are certain things for eight to you know, 12 ounces. We've said, for example, let me give you for the lowest mercury fish that we talked about, oysters, salmon, sardines, scallop, shrimp, squid, and tilapia, 132-pound woman, she could eat 36 ounces a week. For the low mercury fish, such as Atlantic croaker, mackerel, catfish, crab, crawfish, flatfish, flounder and sole, haddock, mullet, pollock, and trout, they could eat up to 18 ounces a week. So those lowest mercury fish, you can really eat a lot. And if the woman's not pregnant, right, since that's what the real concern is, if she's not pregnant, she could eat some tuna as well. It's just the concern really is, is during the pregnancy period, the impact if it's at the right time in development, the impact of the mercury, because what it does is it can cause uh, have neurobehavioral effects in the you know children. So there's a crucial window, and that's why the pregnant women should avoid that. Now, normally for the average you know canned uh, chunk light, that normally would be fine for them. But if they happen to get one of those cans, because the FDA data just shows the average right? And rather than a normal distribution, there's actually, as I said, you know, one fifth of them can have these spikes. And so did consumer reports go and get the actual data that the FDA used to do the updated guidance about eating fish for women and pregnant? And you got the exact cans and then- What we did is we downloaded, we got all the FDA's data that they published, both FDA and EPA, on their testing of mercury levels in fish. Because this is done as, you know, part of the total dietary studies. So we took all of that data. And the only way our analysis differed is FDA's analysis was just based on the average, the average values. And we noticed that for chunk like tuna, even though the averages were low, unlike other things, you would see these spikes in the individual data. Most of the cans are really low, but then some of the cans would be. And was that across different brands or did it? skew like one brand was the one responsible well, for all part the spikes. Of the problem with their data is they don't tend to do brands. They just say 12 ounce cans. Oh, that would be really interesting to know because there's so few players in the national, like it's kind of a consolidated market with regards to Cantu. Yeah. And I suspect what the issue is, is it's just where the fish are being caught and the size, right? So. Which you don't know as a consumer, you don't know how big that fish was or where it was caught, it's just in the Starkist can or whatever it is. Right. So unless the Starkist or whatever the manufacturer is, is testing that tuna themselves and they have their own internal things, the fact that they might get a fish that's high, there's nothing that an individual company can do about that if they're not testing. So it's not like one company uh, that it's one company causing a problem, not others, because most of them they're not doing their own testing. The companies that claim that they're having testing and it's, you know, 10 times lower, that's great. If that claim is being verified by somebody else besides a manufacturer, then that might be actually something that's useful. I'm not aware of any brands that are doing, certainly not big major brands, because of course they're not required to. And to be honest, consumers clearly aren't asking for it enough. I think think major brands are not going to tend to do that for the light tuna because the data shows on average, light tuna is really good. Yeah, because everyone knows that, that on average, light tuna is lower in mercury than albacore. But this is so interesting that what you're saying, if you look at the actual, the variations and you can't be sure, why would you want to risk it? Right, because there's, you know, for other fish, you 
we don't see the same thing. The averages are all sort of more bell-shaped. But there is this phenomenon with the, you know, chunk like that, that there is this long tail on the high end, as it were. My phone is bursting at the seams with photos of our kids. And over the years, I've tried all sorts of different ways to store and share them with family members. So for a while, I would just text out pictures to the grandparents. And then we tried a shared photo album. But some people were using Google Photos and others preferred Facebook Messenger for pictures. And the more kids we had, the messier it got. Then I stumbled across the Family Album app. The Family Album app was created to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with loved ones. It's a totally secure, personal haven for your family's memories. I love that there's no third-party ads, no unwanted eyes, and it's totally free. No more scrolling through endless feeds or searching folders to find the picture of the kid that you need right now. Another cool feature about the Family Album app is you can order eight free photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. Which, if you think about how quickly your baby is changing, it's really nice to have some tangible pictures to hold onto or share to document the last month of your baby's life. If you're looking to level up your photo sharing and organization game with a secure, one-stop, easy-to-use photo organization app, head over to the App Store, search Family Album, download the Family Album app, and start creating a legacy of love one photo at a time. Can I ask about the time frame? So the most recent update from the U.S. government, FDA issuing revised advice about eating fish for women who are or might become pregnant, breastfeeding mothers and young children is from 2019. Did Consumer Reports test that batch of tuna or was it, are we talking about earlier data? Well, some of that's earlier data um, up until about yeah, 2017 or 18, but 2019, I mean, did the average, for example, uh, for a trunk light change. That's what I was going to ask. Like, have there been any changes since then? It's not that old of data. And I assume tuna doesn't change that much. Right. I basically haven't looked at it, but uh, I would suspect that there would also be this issue of uh, potential spikes in the trunk light. Because I think when we did our testing years ago, we noticed something similar that even though some of the tuna cans would be low, you would get, if you sample enough of them, you find a... Is Consumer Reports working on new data? Because a lot of your stuff on your site, and again, I'll link to all of it, but it's it's 2012, it's 2014. Again, probably still very current, but I think this is especially with everything's happening from a legislative standpoint and this the Baby Food Safety Act. Parents are really interested in heavy metals in foods and not just commercial baby food because we're talking about canned tuna, which is a food that babies can't eat as well as adults. Are you guys working, like actively working on tuna or is that not a current priority no, for well, Consumer no, Reports? Because part of what the issue is, is if we try to do our own testing on this, that would just be prohibitively expensive. I mean- Yeah, you can't do it all the time. Right. You know, we could test maybe one or two. We could maybe test like 20 different fish or 30 different fish and maybe two or three samples of each. That's something very different than the FDA, which actually has this sort of large database, right? And so that's what we're doing, looking at that database. And it's great if there's 2019 data, we could look at that, but I doubt that the numbers are going to be significantly different enough to cause changes in the list of the various fish, since oh. the issue of mercury has to do with this level in the background environment. And often for you, the highest levels like in tunas are found in the bigger, older fish. So that's, for example, why the tuna you see in sushi can have pretty high mercury levels. Because it's coming from huge, huge fish that are higher up on the food chain. 
They've eaten the smaller yes. fish and bioaccumulated all their mercury. When we first uh, started working on this, there was actually a case of there was some guy who who thought since it was better to eat that, you know, fish is good for you. And he was very wealthy. He was eating sushi every day and he ended up getting merc poisoned, mercury poisoning. Yeah, which I think just goes back to the answer that there is no one food that is far superior and we should be eating a variety of foods for lots of different reasons. But that one was pretty eye opening. Right. Okay. I just want to know, because you're consumer reports for 30 years. FDA puts out stuff that's like, oh, it's fine for everyone to eat tuna. And you guys are like, well, actually, if you look at it, there's these huge spikes. And most parents are like, whoa, when in doubt, leave it out. Like most parents are going to interpret that, I think, to say, gosh, I don't want any level of mercury in my baby. But does the FDA then respond when you come back and say, listen, we took all your data and we looked at it and then there are these spikes like or do they just leave the recommendations the no, same? No, no, no. What this is, is look. When FDA made their recommended changes back in 2017, we applauded them because we had been suggesting them to do that for years because initially what they had said is the average woman only eats like four ounces of that. They need to eat more. And so we don't want to discourage them. That's why, you know, with some of these, we wanted to give them more variability. So we didn't we didn't want them to go near, you know, tuna or other things. And there were other fish that we thought should be in the middle or high categories that they had in sort of the OK. So what you applauded was basically their striation of high, medium and low mercury. That was a change, right? Well, and the other change is they try to do this, quote, way of benefit that it's more beneficial to eat a lot of fish rather than less fish. And that is exactly what dietitians are still being taught. And we turn around and repeat it, which not and good. what we did is we said, no, you need to do. There's now enough data on toxicity coming in that we can start to do risk assessments. Right. So you can start to calculate how much tuna is in there. How much, you know, would you have to eat to get to what EPA says is a. Uh, level that's no longer safe. And that's what we were doing. We were, we're saying you can use the data that you have and rather than, because what they were doing before was this hand waving of just saying, we, we don't want to scare people away from eating fish. And our thing was, no, yes, they should be encouraged to eat more fish, but you want them to eat more fish that has lower mercury. So, so we wanted them to separate that out more and make it very clear that there's a list of fish that you should just avoid or that pregnant women should not. Okay. And I do just want to remind parents that there are lots of other safe, low mercury ways that you can offer your baby fish protein because the protein is the component of the food that we want to introduce, especially because there's data to show for other allergens, not so much for fish and shellfish, but that that can help prevent food allergy down the road. So I do like to recommend a variety of foods and affordable ones. However, it does not appear that canned tuna is a good, safe option for your baby because you just don't know how much mercury is in that particular can of tuna. And when we're talking about babies and mercury, when in doubt, leave it out. But you can select from the other low mercury fish and shellfish list. My question for you, Dr. Hansen, is do the low mercury lists of consumer reports equal what EPA, FDA says, or do you guys disagree on what's quote unquote low mercury? The only the main difference is really with this light tuna and albacore. And even then we say for children, you could give them one can. But part of the issue for that is when 
when you calculate it, the levels are such that they're going to reach their limit of how much mercury they should be ingesting in a week very quickly, and it will be under the recommended amount they should be eating in a, a week. So while, while it might be fine to give them one serving of tuna once a week, a child, uh, if you look at our calculations, that might mean that they could only eat that and no other fish for the entire week. And that doesn't work for allergies because we want to introduce it early and often. In my programs, we introduce the allergenic food six to seven different exposures across the course of a weekend. You don't want your baby eating that much canned tuna. You do want your baby exposed to that much fish protein. You've got to just go find another low mercury option that is not canned tuna. Right. So Dr. Hansen, what are the fish then that are too high in mercury to be safe for women who are of childbearing age, pregnant, breastfeeding, or small children? Okay, big eye tuna, which is often used in sushi, gulf tilefish, king mackerel, marlin, orange ruffy, shark, and swordfish. Awesome. And where can our audience go to learn more about all of the Consumer Reports recommendations regarding fish safety and consumption by pregnant breastfeeding women and small children? They can go to our uh, most recent report. We also have a... If you want to plan your weekly diet, there's a mercury resource page, and we even have a got mercury calculator that uses this data to actually, so you can calculate for yourself. All right, the got mercury calculator, and we will link to all of that on the show notes page, which you guys can find if you go to blwpodcast.com and just type in mercury, all of Dr. Hansen's links will show up. Dr. Hansen, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate this. This is not a simple topic, but I appreciate you boiling it down for us to make it easy for our audience to understand about safety in tuna because parents have a lot of questions about this stuff. Well, thank you very much. I hope that this has been informative to your audience and is explained at a level that they can understand because I have a lot of technical (laughs) experts. Yeah, he's a senior scientist with 30 years experience. I was like, you got to keep it simple for us only because a lot of, I mean, Once you start getting into the milligrams and we're talking about adult women, it's really hard to translate on a podcast, but I think the calculator is really of interest to parents. Yeah, easy thing. And it's, you know, sort of this nice sliding scale. But I think the main takeaway with tuna is just this realization for pregnant women that the canned light, which you think is safe, you might get one of the bad cans that has a spike in it. And so that might be why it's particularly good for a pregnant or breastfeeding woman to avoid. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Consumer Reports senior scientist, Dr. Michael K. Hansen. He had so much to say about tuna. We went on and on and on after as well. I just had to kind of get it down to talking about babies. But this is such an interesting conversation. I'm just fascinated by their reanalysis of the same data that the FDA used. And really just, again, we can look at averages when it comes to chunk light versus albacore. But how do you know if that particular can that you're choosing for your baby happens to be one of those ones that has a super high spike in a ton of mercury. You just don't know. So I know it's so frustrating as a parent to hear the advice, when in doubt, leave it out. But I do think because there are other ways to get your baby fish protein that if you can avoid canned tuna from this particular analysis, it appears that that is the safer bet. So I'll be following up with lots of other tips on ways we can get fish into babies safely. But I do appreciate Dr. Michael Hansen on behalf of Consumer Reports coming here to explain why it shouldn't be from canned tuna. Again, all of the resources he mentioned linked up at the show notes, blwpodcast.com forward slash 232. Thank you so much for listening. 
like a lot of moms out there. I will totally admit I am quite type A. I am a total task master. And one of my weekly work tasks is to review the feedback forms that are new students in my program, which is called Baby Led Weaning with Katie Ferraro, that they leave for us. So basically, this form asks a lot of questions about you and your baby and your baby's feeding and medical history, any concerns that you might have or fears about starting solid foods. And all of this data helps me when I'm answering parent questions inside of our weekly live office hours so I can then tailor my response to your particular baby and situation, right? Because it's not a one-size-fits-all approach when it comes to what your baby's eating, right? Because maybe your baby has an egg allergy or another mom in the program. She might really be struggling with how to make meat safe because she doesn't like to cook. So this week on the forum, there's a new mom named Janine, and she wrote, and this is her quote, I researched a lot on the internet, and I have a lot of books. I saw a lot of other baby-led weaning programs, but in the end, this is the one that I realized is what I'm really looking for as a new mom. I love that Katie's program has a community and that there are videos for everything you need to know and how to make the foods. And what I love the most is that there's already a meal plan ready. And this just like stopped my heart because this is exactly why I created the Baby Led Weaning with Katie Ferraro program. I wanted to literally put everything that you need to know about starting solid food safely in one place with a super easy to follow 20 full weeks meal plan. Okay, there's 20 weeks because it's five foods a week. I want your baby to get to those 100 new foods before they turn one because I also know you have a lot going on as a new mom and hunting and pecking all over the internet to try to figure out what am I going to feed this baby? That is not the solution. So if you want to check out the Baby Led Weaning with Katie Ferraro program, I would be honored to work with you and your baby. You can head to babyledweaning.co to get started and hopefully I'll be reading your feedback soon too.